But what we're going to find out here in verse 8, it says here, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where it was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray, Lord, you bless this message. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us this morning into all truth, Lord. And Father, I want to thank you, Father, for every way you bless us, Lord God. And I want to thank you for every way you take care of us. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So you notice there that it says there in verse 8, it says he passed by and where was a great woman. When the Bible uses the word great, it doesn't, it doesn't hardly ever use the word great. You're not going to find this used anywhere else like this when it comes to a woman being called great or even a man being called great. It's very, very rarely this is word is used. And here it is being used here where, where was a great woman. She was a great woman. And I want to preach this message on Mother's Day about being a great mother and what it takes to be a great woman. And I want to notice, even since we're here on Mother's Day and I'm, we're focusing on mothers and I'm talking a lot about mothers and this message is mainly focused on great women and great mothers. We all had a mother in here, amen. If, if she was great or not, we all had a mother in here. But the point is, is that she was called a great woman before she was a mother. She was called a great woman before she was a mother. So being a mother doesn't have anything to do with you being a great woman. Being a great woman, being a mother is just part of being a great woman. Notice verse 9. Let's find out why she's being called a great woman. There's all kinds of reasons why, and we're going to figure them out. Look at verse 9. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passes by us continually. The first way we find out there in verse 9 is she's a great woman. She's a great witness to her family about God. She's a great witness to her family about God. You know, a lot of us in here are in church today because we had a mother that took us to church. A lot of us are in here today because we had a great-grandmother that loved us enough to take us to church when we didn't want to go, amen. We didn't want to go. I had one guy tell me one time, he's like, I don't go to church anymore. I said, well, why don't you go to church? When I was young, my mother made me go. Well, yeah, well, my mother made me go too, but she also made me brush my teeth and take a bath and... I still do those same things. She raised you right, amen. That's what it is. She's a great woman because she's a great witness to her family about God. She perceived that Elisha, as Elisha's passing by, she says, this is a holy man of God. I want to do something for him. I want to try to take care of him. And he, he comes by here all the time. She, she's very perceptive of God's work. Look at verse 10. She says to her husband, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh up to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. So she says, I want to I make like, a, we would call it today a prophet's chamber. A prophet's chamber is something when we have missionaries come in, they'll ask me, do y'all have a prophet's chamber? And I'm like, no, I don't have a prophet's chamber. What that is is some churches have a, a building or a house set up to where when missionaries come in or men of God, preachers, they can come by and they can stay at that house and have a place to stay while they're traveling through. And that's what she's making. She's making a place for Elisha to stay while he's coming through. She said, let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool. She's taking care of him. So another sign that this is a great woman is she has... Kindness and hospitality. Kindness and hospitality. A great woman loves to take care of people. And I've been around a lot of great women in my life, but a great woman loves to take care of people. You go into a house and once you, you need something to drink, you need something to eat. Can I get you something to eat? Can I get you something to drink? 
a great woman's really good about telling you, you know, you don't look good. You don't. You need to comb your hair, or they'll come straighten your collar up, or they'll they'll come and tell you your your, your clothes, or you need to tuck your shirt in. A great woman wants to take care of you. A great mother loves to take care of you and shows a lot of kindness and hospitality. You know, I have a friend that's a, his mom is, a, is she's Korean. And when I, her name's Okpun, we call her OK, but her name's Okpun. And when I'd go over to visit her, it was amazing because when I'd go over there and he'd say, well, my mom wants us to stay here and eat. This would be like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. This isn't like some special feast or anything. She would literally bring out a plate full of meat for two guys. I mean, like a heap and bring out this kimchi and bring out all, I mean, this whole, looked like a Thanksgiving feast for two grown men. Just, there's no way we could eat all that. You know, she'd come out there and she'd go, eat, 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 eat. That's why she'd like, I, I'm trying to open, I'm trying to eat. eat, eat, you need to eat, eat. I guess she thought I was too skinny or something like that. You need to put on some weight. Great kindness, great kindness, great hospitality. The great woman has that. Look at verse 12. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. Now, this is Elisha. Says to his servant Gehazi. Gehazi, his servant, helps Elisha out. He says, Call this Shunammite. Talking about the woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. She comes and stands before Elisha. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. She's showing great. Humbleness, great humbleness. See what he's doing. Elijah said, "Man, this woman's been doing so much for me. I want to bring her in. I'm going to see if she, I can do something for her. I can, I can get her some fame. I can get her some riches. I can talk to the king. The king can do something for her. Can do something for her husband. We can. I can do something. And what does she say? I dwell among my own people. She's very humble. So a great woman's known to be very, very humble. She could have been rich. She could have been found favor, but she chose not to find those things." You know what I know about great mothers and great women is they're very humble. Um, think about the mothers. Think about your mother and how many times she had to change your diaper. How many times she had to take care of you when you were sick. How many times she took care of you when nobody else cared for you. I know whenever uh, somebody ha gets hurt, whenever you get hurt, you didn't run to your daddy, you ran to your mom. She's going to kiss it and make it better, amen. That's what, that's what mamas are there for. That's what mamas do. They care. They're very humble, and they take care of you. And what makes it, what makes it very humbling is they, 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 they clean your diaper. They wipe your nose. They, you, you throw up all over the bathroom. They come up and clean up your vomit. They do all of that, and then you get to be a teenager. Then you say, you don't love me. All right, that's what we do, amen. You don't love me. You know, I've only been cleaning your diapers for 10 years. You know, you're still in diapers, and you're 11 years old. You know, you need to grow up a little bit. I'm still giving you a, a bottle and everything else. Great humbleness. This woman has great humbleness. Verse 14. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. So this lady had no children. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, he, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. So Elisha calls her in and says, Hey, you know what? I heard you don't have a son, so this time next year you're going to have a child. And she can't even believe it. Hear it. She's like, I, Don't lie to me. Don't tell me those kind of lies because it's going to happen. And it did happen exactly like Elisha said it would happen. Elisha was a great man of God, does all kinds of great miracles. 
But look what happens there in verse 18. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. So his father's out in the field. He's reaping the harvest. He's doing some stuff. So he goes out there to help his daddy work out in the fields. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, hey, carry him to his mother. Just like what I said. You know, I don't feel good, daddy. My head's hurting. I don't feel good, daddy. Hey, take him to his mama. Go let mama handle it. Well, it wasn't what they thought. Verse 20. And when he had taken him and he brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Oof. Not good. Everything's going well. She's been helping God. She's been doing what she can for God. She's been a humble woman. She's been a great woman of God. She's been helping God's great prophet as much as she could. And then her son dies. What you find out about great mothers and great women is they have a great love for their children. They have a great love. They have a great love for their children. You know... When I was a young man, I was about eight years old, and my dad got murdered. I came home, and I came home and found out that my dad had been murdered. I was in the house, and uh, they'd come in, and they say, hey, your dad is, your dad's, Keegan, your dad's been murdered. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Your dad's been killed. He's been murdered. And I remember my aunt was there, and I crawled up in my Aunt Dorothy's lap, and I just cried and cried and cried. And what I found out at that day is that mothers don't have to be your biological mother. A mother doesn't have to have biological children, amen? Sometimes mothers are mothers and they never did birth you, but they're still your mother. And I had an aunt that day that treated me like a son, let me crawl up in her lap, and I just cried and cried and cried. And I found out that day there's a lot of great women in the world that they might not have birthed you, they might not have raised you, but they can still be a mother to you. And some of you ladies in here have been a mother to me through some bad times in my life. And I appreciate that, and I, that's why I wish all of y'all a happy Mother's Day. Because you say, well, I'm not your mother. Why are you wishing me a happy Mother's Day? But in a certain, some certain way, you've been a mother to me. And I know everybody in this room, you can think of some ladies in your life that have been a, been a mother figure to you. Maybe, been, it's, maybe it's an aunt. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it was a teacher. I've had teachers in my life that treated me like a mother. And it, you don't have to have a biological mother to, to, to know. That lady doesn't have to be a biological mother to know that she loves you and takes care of you. A great woman can love on a boy or a girl that's not theirs at all. And I've seen that all the time in my life where great mothers, great women love on children that aren't their own and have a great love for them. You know, Heinz, you ever had Heinz 57, Heinz ketchup? That, that guy was a great Christian that created that. He was a, it was a Heinz, a Henry Heinz. This is what he said in his will. He said, looking forward to the time when my earthly career will end, I desire to set forth at the very beginning of this will as the most important item in it, a confession of my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. So that's the most important thing to me, is to let you know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He went on to say, I also desire to bear witness to the fact that throughout my life, in which there was unusual joys and sorrows, I have been wonderfully sustained by my faith in God through Jesus Christ. That's a great testimony. But thirdly, he wanted to say this, and this is what I wanted to read to you this morning. In his last will, he said, This legacy, this legacy was left to me by my consecrated mother, a woman of strong faith, and to it I attribute any success I have attained. 
I attribute any success I've attained. This is one of the most powerful men in America said, it was because of my mother that I am who I am. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. How many of our mothers have took care of us in our worst, darkest moments? How many of us, and we forget about it. You know what I'm here to say this morning? My mother passed away when she was about 40 years old. I'd do anything today to be able to say, Happy Mother's Day, to be able to call my mother. And if you're in, this mor- if you're in here this morning and you don't have any plans to contact your mother, mm-mm-mm. I just don't think that's right. I don't think, I don't think that's right. Look at verse 21. And she went up, laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door upon him and went out. She doesn't go lay the child on his own bed. She doesn't go lay the child on her bed. She goes and lays the child on the man of God's bed. <laughs> you see what she's doing here? Who gave her this child? It was the man of God through God had told her, this child is going to, you're going to have this child. So she says, this child is the responsibility of this man of God. I'm here to tell you this morning that when God gave you your child, if you're smart enough, you know and realize God gave you the child, whose responsibility is that child? It's God's responsibility. And we put that responsibility back on God. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon or Sabbath. And she said, It should be well. He said, uh, why are you going to go see the man of God? It's not church time. It's not Sunday morning. Why are you going to go see the preacher? He has no idea his son has died. And she just shows up to him and says, hey, I need one of you young men. I need him to saddle up a donkey, saddle up an ass, put me on. We're going to, i got to go see the man of God. i got to go see Elijah. So this is a great woman, and she's showing a great faith in God. Why is that? Look at verse 23. And he said, wherefore wilt, thou, wherefore, wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. Wow. Everything's going to be okay. Man, she just seen her child die in her lap. And she said, it shall be well. A great woman, a great mother has a great faith in God. You know, uh, Dr. Morgan was a great preacher, and he had four great preacher sons, and they had, a great, they had a great family reunion, and they were at the family reunion, and there was Dr. Morgan, and there was his four sons. All four of his sons were preachers, and somebody comes up, and he said, which one of y'all four is the best preacher? And the kid, without hesitation, said, Mama. <laughs> Mama's the best preacher. Mama's the best preacher. A great faith, a great faith, a great faith in God. You know what I know about mothers is they love their children no matter when they're messing up, screwing up, no matter what. They'll love on their children. I've seen them love on their children. A great mother does that. I've seen a great mother that one time her child did something that was un- unthinkable, and she never believed her child done that. She wouldn't believe it to the day he was put in the executioner's chair and put to death in the state, by the state of Texas. She still believed he was innocent. When all the evidence said he was guilty, she still was up there crying, saying, he's innocent, he's innocent. It kind of reminds me of the story when they had the great, back in World War II, they had the great, they'd show great, they'd, they'd train the guys to go off to war. And when they got them trained up, they would march them through the city, they'd march them through the street, and all the family would come out and wish them good luck. And they, so they had this great, they had the great, all the soldiers out there, and they're all marching along, and, and all the families out there. And there was one kid named Jimmy, he was marching along, he was out of step. 
when everybody was stepping once, he was stepping, stepping twice. And they, were, they all go marching by. It was real obvious. Jimmy was out of march, out of tune. He's out of step. He goes to Jimmy. And his mom was sitting on the floor. Did y'all see that? Did y'all see that? Everybody was out of step but Jimmy. <laughs> That's a great mama for you right there. Everybody was out of step but Jimmy. Verse 24. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive, and go forward, and slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. This great woman has a great determination. Great mothers have a great determination. My advice to you is don't get between a mother and her child. That's my advice to you. That's my advice to you. That's why they always say when you see a bear, look for the cub. If you see the cub, because and people say, oh, there's a little baby bear. It's so cute. It's like, but you better run. Because if that, that mother bear sees you, it's going to tear you, tear you up, kill you. Because you're messing with this child. She has a great determination. She's driving him. She said, let's go. Let's go do something. I want to get something done. Verse 25, so she went and came unto the mount, man of God to Mount Carmel. That's where Elisha stayed at, Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. He sees her coming. He says, hey, here comes that Shunammite woman. And then Elisha says, verse 27, Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Huh. That's interesting. She's coming and driving her servant. Let's go, let's go. And she's running. He goes, Here comes that Shunammite. And he goes, Go find out what she needs. And he and Gehazi runs over there. Hey, is everything okay with your dad, with your husband? Is everything okay with you? Is everything okay with the child? And she says, everything's okay, Gehazi. Verse 27. When she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. She runs over there and grabs Elisha by the feet, falls down at his feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. So she runs, and she runs past Gehazi, and she jumps at the feet of Elisha, and she's crying at the feet of Elisha, and Gehazi's about to take her and pull her away, and Elisha says, don't do that, don't do that. God's not telling me what's wrong, but there's something wrong here. See, what you don't know about Gehazi is something that this great woman knows. This great woman has a great spiritual discernment, and that's what a great woman has. Every mother has it. Every mother in this room has it, right? Y'all have that sixth sense where y'all don't like some guy, y'all don't like some woman, y'all like something like, I just don't like that person. I don't like, I don't want them around. I don't want, they have that sixth sense and you, you know to follow that sixth sense. She has a spiritual discernment that nobody else had. Not even Elisha's seen it because Gehazi has a problem that the Bible doesn't show, it doesn't show up in the Bible until the very next chapter. Gehazi has a problem with covetousness. He's greedy. And later on in chapter 5, go home and read it in chapter 5, he gets leprosy put on him because of his greediness. And she won't even talk to Gehazi. He said, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to go straight to the man of Elisha. Verse 28, then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? She just explained to him, I told you not to do this to me. I told you not to deceive me. I told you I didn't need a child. I told you, she, you brought this pain on me. She's just speaking the truth, right? Woo-wee, some of you ladies are like that. And I love you for it, but boy, you can cut like a knife. <laughs> cut like a knife, just speak the truth. Just, just come out, just tell it like it is. Just tell it like it is. You know, there's only one person in the whole Bible that caught Jesus Christ at his words. 
So this, and I didn't, I, I preached on this last Mother's Day. There was a lady that's daughter was sick, and she came to Jesus Christ, and she came to Jesus Christ and said, Heal my daughter, uh, Jesus, heal my daughter. And she kept yelling at him, and Jesus ignored her because she wasn't a Jew. And finally, the disciples got tired of it, and the disciples said, Jesus, will you please do something about this lady? She's pestering us. She won't leave us alone. She keeps yelling out. She won't. She's bothering us. And Jesus Christ says, hey, it's not right for me to take the food that belongs to the children and give it to dogs. That's tough. Because the children of Israel, was Jesus were sent to the children of Israel, he says, it's not right for me to go to take what's meant for the children of Israel and to give it to this Canaanite, this Gentile dog. And that's what she was. And the lady overheard it. Did the lady get mad? The lady said, no, Lord, no, Lord, but even the dogs eat of the crumbs off the children's table. That's a great mother. <laughs> She'll do anything to get what she needs for her children. That woman was willing to get down and say, I'll eat off the crumbs. Just throw me a little bit of crumbs, Jesus. I know I'm a dog, but even the dogs eat the crumbs. Just give me a little bit of a crumb. Woo! That's a great mother. They don't mind telling you where the, <laughs> where, the, where the tire hits the road right there. Did I desire, son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Verse 29, then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not, not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. So he says, Gehazi, go and take this staff, put it on the face of the child. He's assuming the child's going to be healed. Verse 30, and the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as, a, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. So you see, she could have ran ahead with Gehazi and said, let me show you where he's at, and could have ran ahead with Gehazi and shown him where the child was at so he could lay that staff on the head. And she said, no, I'm not going with Gehazi. I'm saying right here with you, Elisha. She had a great spiritual discernment to know there's something going on with Gehazi, but that Elisha was the one that had the power of God on him. Elisha was the one that had the power of God on him. You know, Billy Sunday Great preacher of the 1900s, Billy Sunday, said, A prayer, the prayers of a mother will chase a man all over the world. All over the world. The prayers of a mother will chase a man all over the world. I think I'm here today, my friends, because my mother prayed for me. That's why I'm here. See, when my mom took her last breath. My mom was laying on her deathbed. My mom looked at, a, looked at a kid in front of her that was a high school dropout that was amounting to nothing. But she had prayed for me. And there was no way my mom, when she was laying on her deathbed, could have had a vision to know that her son that she was looking at was going to be a preacher. There was no way she could have known it. Because if you knew me, and my sister can confirm to you, if you knew me, there's no way you would have believed that I was going to be a preacher. There's no way. There's no way. When some of my friends, I had one of my good friends that found out I was a preacher, the first thing, come, first thing he said is, he's a preacher? They said, yeah. He said, with a mouth like that? <laughs> with every other word was the F word. And I don't mean friendly. <laughs> I was a foul-mouthed, wicked sinner. I mean, I, I cuss worse than anybody you can ever imagine. And I was proud of it. And when my mom sat in front of me and she was seeing me sitting in front of her, there's no way she could have imagined. But she had prayed for me. She had prayed God to bless me. She would asked God to use me. And she looked at me and she's like, there's no way. 
She could have had no way of knowing that the prayers, her prayers as a mother, was going to work profoundly on me. Because that night that my mom took her last breath, I walked outside of that room, and I, and I knew God had been chasing me. I knew God had been working with me. I knew God wasn't happy with me. I knew God wanted to do something with me. And I said, no, I don't want nothing to do with you, God. I don't want nothing to do with Christianity. I don't want nothing to do with any of this. I want to live my life. I want to live the dream. And that night when I saw my mom take her last breath, I walked outside, and I looked up at the stars of God, and I said, I'm done. Whatever you want to do with me, Lord, you can do it. I'm done. And God looked down from heaven and said, okay, I think I can do something with you. And here I am. But it took the death of my mom to shake me up. It took the death of a mother to make me something I needed to be. God needed to use me. And I wasn't going to be used until some of the darkest moments of my life. Now, brothers and sisters, don't be a donkey like I am. I'm a donkey. I'm stubborn. I'm a moron. I'm an idiot. It takes God whipping me and whipping me and whipping me and whipping me to do something for him. I'm here to tell you, life is so much better if you just do what the Lord wants you to do. I'm a perfect example of that. And if the Lord in here this morning is calling you to do something or has asked you to do something or is calling you to salvation, I don't know where you're at in your life. If he's wanting to save you, don't run from him. You're going to be, like, you're going to be just like Jonah. One day you're going to wake up in the belly of a whale. So how did I get down here? You know how you got down here. Every man and woman at their darkest moments knows why they're down there. Every man and woman knows why they're down there. And it wasn't because their mama, and it wasn't because their daddy. It's because of them. And they're all admitted. No matter what the world tells you, it's not going to hurt you for your mama or daddy to whip you or spank you. Boy, it's getting kind of quiet in here. Nobody believes in spanking anymore? <laughs> you know that's what the Bible teaches? Spare the rod, spoil the child? I'm here to tell you that if I could preach any message this morning, I should have preached on good mother spanks her children. Amen. Amen. Man, I remember one time when I was a kid, I was about 10, 10 years old. I was over at my friend's house. My mom, I called my mom and said, hey, I want to stay over here at Chris's. She's like, no, come home. I was like, no, I'm going to stay here. Click. And I hung that phone up, and there's something deep inside of me. He said, I made a mistake. And Chris said, are you going to get to stay? What would your mom say? I said, I better go home. And I remember I was getting out the back door of Chris's house, and I was getting back on my—I was getting about to get on my bicycle, and I heard this—I heard this Camaro. My mom drove this '68 Camaro, and here it come pulling up, but it wasn't coming pulling up. It was, and she jumps out of that car, and she has this belt like Indiana Jones used a whip, and she's a little bit Irish lady. Kick and and it was, she hit me on the back, and I'm like, no, mama, no, mama, no, mama. And I ran off in that back, and she's chasing me down there. Shaka, shaka. And I'll never forget, I got down, I, I drove, and I, I hid in the alley. And I was all crying, you know, like a little baby. And I heard mama. Rrr, rrr. 
<laughs> she was still looking for me like the Terminator, you know. She was still Terminator, you know. See that? So, man, you're such a bad, I was a bad kid, man. I had every, had every bit of it coming, man. One time I called my mom a whore. Yeah, I heard some of y'all go, ooh. Called my mom a whore. Well, that, didn't went, that went over real good with a little Irish lady. She grabbed up a broom. She swung it at me. My mom was this little bitty lady. I started laughing at her. And the way it was set up, is the, 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 the bed was in the living room. So I jumped on the bed. She swapped out. Tried to swing. I, I dodged it. <laughs> and then she swapped at me again. And I did a little ninja roll over the other side of it. <laughs> and she swapped out. Oh, you're so stupid. <laughs> and I looked over there. And the door was over there. And I said, man, it's about time to make, you know, exit stage left. So I run over the door. I hit the door. And it was locked. And about that time, I turned around and whack, 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 whack. <laughs> she beat the devil out of me. Man, see, the CPS would have been called on me a hundred times on my mom, right? But I had it coming. And I'm here to tell you, I had a good mother that didn't put up with my foolishness. And that's what a lot of us need. We need a good mother that won't put up with our foolishness. Look at verse 31. Let's finish the story up. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore, he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. Or words, God said, It's not working, Elisha. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth. And his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. He's basically what we would call doing mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He's trying to bring, breathe life into him. Verse 35, Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro, and ran up and stretched himself upon him, upon the child again. And the child sneezed seven times. Hachu, 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 hachu. And the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was coming to him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Praise God. The last thing I want to show you about this woman is found there in verse 37. She had great thankfulness. Great thankfulness. She's very thankful to the Lord. Very thankful for the way the Lord works. She had great thankfulness. You know, one of the greatest stories of a woman I've ever read, and I mean, there's lots of great mother stories, but this son and this this dad and this dad and his son had gone had gotten uh, really mad at each other, gotten really far away from each other. They didn't want to have nothing to do with each other. They hated each other. The son hated the dad. The dad was mad at the son. It had nothing to do with it. And the mother constantly was saying, you need to make up with your son. You make up with your son. And when she talked to the son, she said, son, you need to make up with your dad. And dad had no part of it. No, I don't want to talk to him. I don't have nothing to do with him. I, I'm done with him. He's not my dad. And the dad would say, I don't want to have nothing to do with my son. He's forsaken me. I have nothing to do with him. Well, the mother got sick one day. And then the next month, she got even sicker. And the doctors came in and said, hey, you're not going to make it. As that mother laid on the, on the bed, they called the son and said, hey, you need to come on home. Your mother's about to pass away. So the dad was sitting on one side of the bed as the mother laid in the bed, and the dad was there. Her husband was there with her, and the son came in. The dad looked up and kind of gave her son a dirty look and 
looked back down at his wife, and the son came over, and the son came over to his mother and grabbed his mother's hand and said, Mama, I love you, Mama, I love you, Mama. And the dad was sitting there holding the other hand, and the, the mother said, I want y'all to make up. And we're not making up. We're not making up. That don't, we don't talk about it right now, Mama. We're worried about you, Mama. She goes, no, what I really want is for y'all to make up. That's, that's my, what I want. I want y'all to make up. We don't want to make up, Mama. We don't have nothing to do with each other. Just let's stop talking about it. And as they laid there with her or sat there with her for about an hour, she was taking her last breath, and with her last breath, she took them. And she took their hands and put them together and laid them on her breast. And she took her last breath. And the dad looked up at the son, the son looked up at the dad, and tears started rolling down their cheeks. And they reached over their dying mother and wife and hugged each other. Reconciliation by a mother. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. God says, you're my enemy. And I'm to God, God, I can't meet your standards. You got too high standards. I can't live that law. I can't meet that law. And God says, I'm holy and you're my enemy. I can't have you around me. And along came Jesus. And Jesus grabbed the hand of God. And Jesus reached out and grabbed my hand and said, I want to put you all together. And I'll do it through my precious blood as I die for his sins on the cross. Are you saved this morning? If you're not, come on down. You need to get saved. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, 
And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.